Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. Good afternoon, America. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine, reporting live, a short, safe social distance from Washington, D.C. It is what it is. That's what the president said about the greatest death rate in American history. More Americans have died in the past four months than at any other four-month period in American history more than in the Civil War, more than in World War II, more than in the Great Depression, more even than in the great Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. We hold the record in these times and you're living through them. We've also had more economic decline in the last four months than at any time in all of American history. That includes the Great Depression. More people suddenly out of work. More people suddenly unemployed. Now, I know what you're saying. You, you might say, well, Mark, the Great Depression was worse. Yes, over a four, five, six-year period. The Civil War was worse over a four-year period. But for four months, the last four months, the four months you and I are living through, it is an American apocalypse. Hundreds of thousands dead. We have 156,000 now. We're gonna get to 200,000 at least before it's all over. Remember when 3,000 Americans murdered on 9-11 was considered a big deal? Yeah, we're at uh, 50 times that, 51, 52. I don't know, maybe today it's 53. It's a 9-11 every couple days in America. And the president, well, his response is, it is what it is. Kind of reminds me when uh, Jeb Bush was asked about all the many mass shootings across America, and his, his response was, stuff happens. Donald Trump's, it is what it is. You know, even when Hurricane Katrina came and ravaged the United States, causing about 1,000 people to die, or one 156th the damage Trump has gone. George Bush was heavily criticized for the federal failure to respond. And he could say, well, it was a natural attack, it was, but we could have done more. The coronavirus is, of course, a natural virus. Donald Trump didn't start the coronavirus. But the coronavirus is a worldwide pandemic. And virtually everywhere in the world, dare I say every single other place in the world, handled it better than we did in the United States of America. South Korea got their first case on the same day we did. They have a population of 50 million. They've had 300 or so deaths. Our population is six times South Korea's. Our death count is 500 times South Korea's. 
Why is that? The president sat down for a, an interview with a real reporter for once. Now, you know, he, he likes to normally go on Fox News and talk with all the toadies that are paid to try to make him look good. But maybe because he realized that, hey, the rest of us who know what propaganda is might want to hear from a real reporter with him declining in the polls, with uh, Joe Biden doing very well. He sat down with a real reporter, and that's where we got the statement. It is what it is. I want to play for you this hour a lot of that interview. Maybe you've heard some of it, but I also want to comment on it. It shows not just a president out of touch, out of touch well, we accuse George Bush of being out of touch. This is much, much worse than out of touch. This is a president who literally doesn't understand what he's talking about. Literally hands out charts that he doesn't know what they say. He's kind of like the third grader that hasn't prepared for their book report, except most third graders fake it better. It's important to understand because I know that liberals get how out of touch the president is. And frankly, most Republicans I talk to will tell me privately they recognize that a completely incompetent, corrupt, narcissistic moron is supposedly running our country. Now, luckily for us, most of the time he, he spends watching TV and playing golf. And of course, it's better to have no one in control than someone actively running the country to the ground. But. I do think the interview gives a lot of insight into how Donald Trump thinks. So buckle in, strap up. It is what it is. There are those that say you can test too much. You do know that. Who says that? Oh, just read Who? the manuals, read the books. Manuals? Read the what books. Manuals? Read the books. What books? What testing? Do so so just, just catch that little part, right? Uh, there are those that say we test too much. Donald Trump is great with that. There are those that say, people say, they said to me, sir, sir, you're a hero, sir. Who said that? The people, them, those, they. So good for Jonathan Swan. He says, who? Who says that? Who says we test too much? What are their names? Oh, they're manuals. Manuals? Books. Books. What manuals? What books? Trump, of course, has none. He just says stuff. There are manuals, there are people, there are books, there are things, there are, there are, there are people out there that say these things. Who, what people, who are they? What are their manuals, what are their books? People, manuals, books! I guess he's just used to dealing with morons. Either morons that believe it, or people who know that he's basically full of BS and are just willing to let it go. This reporter asks him, what people, what manuals, what books? Uh, Donald Trump never answers the question. We'll move on from there, but I do want to play that little clip first, once again. Are those that say, you can test too much. You do know that. Who says that? Oh, just read the manuals, read the books. Manuals? Read the what books. Manuals? Read the books. What books? What testing does? Who, no, no, I'm sorry, just, just, wait a minute. Let me, let me explain. What testing does, it shows cases. It shows where there may be cases. I've covered you for a long time. I've, I've gone to your rallies. I've talked to your people. They love you. Now, now this, this next part's interesting, and I'm moving between clips. The reporter, Jonathan Swan, asked Donald Trump about Tulsa. He points out that the president planned a rally in public 
of people close together without wearing masks. In fact, Jonathan Swan hasn't mentioned this, but they actually removed the stickers that were on the seats of this indoor stadium in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that told people not to sit too close together. They removed those stickers. So people sat close together. Herman Cain, remember Herman Cain, Mr. 999 ran for president uh, in uh, 2012, I think it was. Yeah, he died last week. Donald Trump killed him. Donald Trump killed Herman Cain. Now, I don't mean that Donald Trump took out a gun and shot Herman Cain. He didn't have to. He merely encouraged Herman Cain to come to a rally with thousands of other people without a mask, without social distancing. And Herman Cain, having drink, drunk the Kool-Aid, actually bragged about the fact that no one was wearing a mask. Herman Cain is now dead. Hundreds of others are dead. All told, Donald Trump has killed approximately 156,000 Americans and counting. And no, I'm not counting all of them. I understand that a few hundred were probably going to die. A few hundred died in South Korea. I'm talking about the excess deaths. I'm talking about the 99% of the 157,000 people that didn't need to die, that wouldn't have died if we had real leadership. But when it comes to deaths, Donald Trump's response is, it is what it is. Listen to you. They listen to every word you say. They hang on your every word. They don't listen to me or the media or Fauci. They think we're fake news. They want to get their advice from you. And so when they hear you say everything's under control, don't worry about wearing masks, I mean, these are people, many of them are older people, well, what's Mr. President. What's your definition of control? Yeah. Under the it's giving them a false sense right of security. Now, I think it's under control. I'll tell you what. How? A thousand Americans are dying a day. They are dying. That's true. And you ha it is what it is. They are dying. It's true. It is what it is. The reporter points out, people are listening to you. Okay, liberals don't listen to you. We know better. We don't risk our lives for some narcissistic buffoon. But your people do. Your supporters do. I know you don't give a damn about liberals, but you're killing your own supporters. Some of them are older people, Mr. President, meaning they're more likely to catch COVID. Donald Trump's response to a thousand Americans dying a day is what it is. We'll be right back. And now, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. As we dissect the Axios interview, I have to say I can't think of a more fitting epithet to the uh, Donald Trump presidency. It is what it is. This is a guy that came into office under President after President Obama arguing that we had entered an age of carnage, that 2016 was an age of massive carnage, and that he was going to make America great again, right? It was terrible under Obama, and he was going to make us great again. By the way, he didn't even make up that slogan again. He stole it from Ronald Reagan, who said, make America great again. Ronald Reagan, of course, was the president who took us through the 80s, 
largely to undo the civil rights era of the 1960s. And when he said make America great again, he meant go back to the 1950s when blacks weren't allowed to vote and were second-class citizens. Not that they're first-class citizens yet today, but there's no question that black Americans were better off under Obama than they were under Reagan, and certainly better than they were in the 1950s. But Donald Trump, did he make America great again? Sometimes when you're in a historic moment, you don't recognize the historic nature of the moment you're in. I know you think 2020 is a bad year. So do I. I'm sitting at home. So are you, if you're responsible. It's been a tough year. Do you know someone who's died of coronavirus? I do. I've lost friends and family to coronavirus. Have you? I'm surprised if you have it. It's 157,000 Americans. You know, I distantly knew someone who knew someone who died on September 11th. But this is in everyone's homes. We all are suffering. And of course, the virus is a natural thing. Some idiot ate a bat in South China and spread it all around the world. But every other country has figured out how to handle this except us. We like to think of American exceptionalism as being that we are uniquely good, uniquely, uniquely rich, uniquely powerful, uniquely more democratic, uniquely fair. We like to think we live in the best country on earth. The world pities us now. We are pathetic. They recognize that this once leading world power, the United States of America, we used to be considered the leader of the free world, is now flat on its back, unable to stop a virus that not only industrialized countries have managed to stop, South Korea and Germany and Taiwan, but even unindustrialized countries, even African countries that whose GDP, their, their gross domestic product, is smaller than that of our smallest states. The other world, and I think the reason why, and, and they never really addressed this in the interview, but I really think the reason why the rest of the world has gotten it and we haven't is that America has this penchant for individualism, right? We, no one can tell us what to do. Liberty, right? We on freedom. And our freedom, unfortunately, often involves the freedom to harass, infect, and kill other Americans. Now, I've long argued that our in the freedom, our freedom as Americans is only limited to ourselves. You have freedom to do what you want with your own body. You don't have freedom to do what someone else doesn't want with their body. The same's true when you breathe a deadly infection in their face. So I get that we were uniquely unable to handle this, and I also get that if you look at, at the statistics, you find that the states where people did wear masks, where people did practice social distancing, the localities where they did, people tend to be better. This is a virus that began in the blue states because the blue states are full of cities and people in cities tend to travel outside the country more. And now it's mostly in the red states because the people in the blue states took precautions and many people in the red states did not. Trump is killing his own people. Now, 
Am I saying Trump wants hundreds of thousands of Americans dead? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he doesn't care. I'm saying that hundreds of thousands of Americans die and Donald Trump is concerned about Donald Trump. It's not so much that he wants his Americans dead, it's just that he really doesn't care. It is what it is. I'll play that clip again, because I think it's worth hearing again, and then I'll move on to more from the interview. I've gone to your rallies, I've talked to your people, they love you, they listen to you, they listen to every word you say, they hang on your every word. They don't listen to me or the media or Fauci, they think we're fake news. They wanna get their advice from you. And so when they hear you say, everything's under control, don't worry about wearing masks, I mean, these are people, many of them are older people, well, what's Mr. President. What's your definition of control? Yeah, under the it's circumstances giving them a false right sense of security. now, I think it's under control. I'll tell you what. How? A thousand Americans are dying a day. Right now, I think it's under control, the president said. Right now, I think it's under control, the president said. Right now. If this is under control, what's not under control look like? As the reporter says, a thousand Americans are dying a day. They're dying. That's true. And you ha it is what it is. Okay. First truthful thing we've ever heard the president say that I can remember. They're dying. It's true. It is what it is. Yeah, it is. That doesn't mean we aren't doing everything we can. When I took over, we didn't even have a test. Now, in all well, fairness, why would you there have a was test? No test. The virus didn't exist. How would you have a test? Death is going up now. Okay. So, 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 so he says. In fairness, in fairness, Obama didn't have a test to prevent the novel coronavirus that did not exist in 2016. That's true. That's true. He didn't have a test for it. He didn't have a test to prevent the great plague of 2047 either. Why not, Obama? Why didn't you have a test to stop the great plague of 2047 or the one of 2319? Why haven't you stopped the future alien monsters from invading the United States just because we don't know they exist yet? Is that your excuse, Obama? Yeah, we didn't have a test. It's true. Until we had the disease. But that's... That's how Trump's mind thinks. Let's, let's go on. Test. No test. The virus didn't exist. How would you have a test? I was say. Okay. Death is going up now. Okay. No, and it's no. a thousand a day. If you look at death. Yeah, it's going up look. again. Let's look. Daily death. Take a look at some of these charts. I'd okay. love to. We're going to look. Let's look. And if you look at death. Yeah, started to go up Here's again. One. Well, right here, the United States is lowest in numerous categories. The United States is lowest in numerous categories. He says, staring at a piece of paper like he's never seen it before. Uh, we're lower than the world. Lower than we're the lower world. than what is that? Europe. In Take what? In what? Take a look. Right here. Here's case death. Oh, you're doing death as a proportion of cases. I'm talking about death as a proportion of population. That's where the U.S. is really bad. Well, well, Much worse than South Korea, Germany, etc. You can't. You can't do that. You have Why to go. Can't I do that? You have to go by. You have to go by which. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't look at death as a percentage of population. That's not right. 
We don't care about the rate of death in America. Oh, Donald. We'll be right back. Right after this. Back to the aggressive progressive, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I am your host, Mark Levine. We've been listening to the interview of Donald Trump on Axios. Uh, and I've listened to the whole 37 minutes. You really should as well. I know it's painful to listen to this incompetent, weird guy who slipped into office because of the Electoral College and Comey and Putin and um, by just sheer accident. But I do think that Donald Trump reflects a larger idea within the Republican Party, at least the Republican Party post Ronald Reagan. The Republican Party has been running against government for 40 years now. Their view is the government cannot solve any problems, and therefore we must end the government. We must weaken the government. We must give the government as little power as possible. So that when an economic collapse comes, caused by a novel coronavirus, their response is, let the plague go, let the virus go. Don't need to wear a mask, don't need to protect yourself. As for economic collapse, Republicans insist that the tens of millions of Americans who've lost their jobs in this pandemic do it because they're too lazy to work. And this fits in with the Republican narrative. You can go back to Mitt Romney, and I praise Mitt Romney and that he's willing to stand up against Donald Trump's corruption. But remember when Mitt Romney talked about, what was it, the 47%? Half of all Americans right now live paycheck to paycheck. I don't know whether you're one of them or not, but if you're not, you need to realize the other half are. That's not a small statistic. Romney was complaining that the half that barely can afford rent and food are not paying sufficient taxes. But the Republican idea is, you know what? You know the reason they're not working, the reason they're not making money? They're just too lazy. Half of America's too lazy. Compare them to, say, a Donald Trump who spends all day on the golf course or watching Fox TV who really hasn't worked very hard, very much in his life, calling other people lazy. So for 40 years, Republicans have said, you know, economic injustice, racial injustice, the fact that so many Americans are struggling, that's nobody's business. It's certainly not the government's business. They don't believe that we can form a more perfect union whereby we collectively get together and help those of us who are struggling get a fair path or help black Americans just get an equal shot, which unfortunately they've never had in America. And so I do think Donald Trump's musings, while he's particularly bad at being president, are not that atypical from the standard Republican line, right? Look and see what we're doing well and just ignore, sweep under the rug what's not going well. Let's talk about Donald Trump's statistics, and I honestly don't believe he knew what was in his actual papers in his hand, because he said, we're lower, we're better. And he must have asked his staff to find some place where we're better. Well, it turns out that if you're already sick, if you already have the coronavirus, 
if you've already been listening to the president and not worn your mask and caught the disease, that our healthcare system has managed to kill fewer than in some other countries per person sick. But we have a thousand times the number sick as other countries have. A thousand times per person. That's why the reporter points out that it's the death per person that matters, per population that matters, not the death per case. Our cases are off the charts. We're 5% of the world's population. We're some 30% of the world's cases. We're some 25% of the world's deaths. Let's go back to the interview. Look, here is the United States. You have to go by the cases. The cases. Why not as a proportion of population? Somebody, what it says is when you have somebody that yeah. has it, where there's a case. Oh, okay. The people that live sure. from oh. those cases. It's surely a relevant statistic to say if the U.S. has X population and X percentage of death of that population no, versus South Korea. No, because you have to Korea. go by the cases. Well, look at South Korea, for example. 51 million population, 300 deaths. It's like, it's you, crazy you compared to know that. I do, it's you on the, it's a, you think they're faking their statistics, uh, South Korea? I, I, I won't get into country? that because they have a very good relationship yeah. with the country, but you don't know that. Wait, a thousand Americans. So, so you don't know that. So w- whenever Donald Trump faces a statistic that he doesn't like, he just calls it a lie, right? I mean, this is the guy that claimed that, uh, let's see, that, that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, that Ted Cruz's father killed Kennedy, uh, that um, uh, Trump University was a, a real university, even it was basically telling people to watch YouTube videos for 35000 a year. Uh, this is the guy who makes up lies like, well, I, I, I think the record is, I think he's done 40000 since he's been president. I have to look. The count keeps growing up. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, something like 25 a day. I'll look up the numbers. But for him, lying is just what you do every day to get through the day to because he has makes no distinction between truth and lying. So I guess he assumes everyone else is lying because in Donald Trump's world, what's true is what makes him look good. And what's false is what makes him look bad, not whether it's actually factual or not. So he, he's going to the point of accusing one of our greatest allies, South Korea, of futzing with their statistics. And I guess so is Germany and France and Great Britain and, and Canada and well every other one of our friends on the planet, Japan. They're all messing with their statistics. They're all lying. Really? At some point, when some person walks down the street that you meet, maybe with a tinfoil hat on their head, and claims that every single other person in the world is a liar, but they're telling the truth, mm, I think it may be them that has the problem. So we've looked it up. It is 10,000 false and misleading facts in his first 827 days in office. That's two and a half years. But in 440 days, thank you for this, Marco Maldi, my wonderful producer, the president has closed the 20,000 mark. 20,000 mark as of last month. That's 23 lies a day. 23 lies a day. Who tells 23 statements a day? And 23 provable lies a day? You know, 
I'm just glad there are people out there who um, <laughs> can take the time to put all this together. And by the way, if you haven't read it sometime, go to the Washington Post and uh, read the fact checker and just look at some of those lies. You know, go to line number 14,273 and take a look at line number 17,936 or line number 843 and just look at them for yourselves. They're all documented. But of course, real statistics are not things that any Trumpist or Republican wants to look at. The reporter is pointing out that a thousand Americans are dying a day. And what's Trump's response? Dying a day. But I understand. I understand on cases it's different. No, but you're not reporting it correctly, Jonathan. I think I am, but it's been widely see, see, you're just you're not you're not reporting it correctly. It, it it can't be right. It can't be right that all these Americans are dying. It just can't it may it must not be true. Uh, Donald Trump's born in Kenya. Cruz's dad tried to kill Kennedy, but um, no, no one's dying from a coronavirus. It's all under control. Here's the thing. Every intelligent American knows the president's lying. Every one of us, not just we liberals, conservatives know it too. Republicans know it too. Ask your great Republican Trumpist friend in quiet, in private, whether they really believe that 155,000 Americans are dead from coronavirus, they may argue it's exaggerated. I actually happen to think it's underestimate. I think it's less than reality because not everyone's been tested. We know that we haven't had enough tests. We know that we still can't get enough tests. We still don't have a case for every American who wants a test gets a test. And those that are tested are often waiting five, seven, 10 days. By the time you get the virus, and it incubates for four days, and then you get sick enough to actually realize you're sick and go see a doctor or go to the emergency room, that's a week, 10 days, two weeks after you got the disease, and then you wait another 10, 12 days to get your test back, it's a month later after you got the virus. So now you're like, hey, I got the virus, let's contact check everybody I've been around for the last 30 days. That's not useful data. What they did in South Korea, the reason why their rate is so low is they tested everybody right away, frequently, every day. And so when they caught someone, they caught it quickly and they could go and talk to everyone. There's a, a, a very um, unwise Korean woman, South Korean woman, who had fever, was in the hospital, checked out, went to a mega church and infected hundreds I think thousands of people between the people she infected and the people those people infected. And even despite her foolishness, the South Korean government was able to find out what she did, contact everybody, and keep their rates down. That's an effective government. One day, I hope we have one. We'll be right back right after this. He's a Harvard economist and a Yale lawyer. He does not keep up with the Kardashians. He's Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. We've talked a lot about the coronavirus pandemic, as well we should. It is the story of our day. We should never forget the 157,000 Americans that died or the next 50,000 Americans that are likely to die this year. It could well be higher. 2020 will go down as one of maybe the single worst year in American history, given the scale of destruction, of death, epic death, and epic economic casualties. 
the House of Representatives, controlled by the Democrats, is ready to step in and help Americans survive. The Senate, controlled by Republicans, is determined to make Americans suffer more. Even though it must be repeated, it must be repeated, that this is not Americans' fault. Sure, Herman Cain should have worn a mask. Sure, there are a lot of Trump supporters that believe him and take actions that lead to their deaths. There's so many cases in the news, on the internet, it's pathetic. You read to someone who says, I'm an American, I believe in liberty, and I don't believe in wearing masks, and then that person ends up dying a couple weeks after making those statements. But as sad as it is for people to die for listening to the president, what's sadder is the people who spread the lies. Believing lies is a bad thing. Spreading lies is even worse. And it's not just Donald Trump. It's lots of Republicans in the Senate, in the House. Matt Gates joking about it, wearing a gas mask, when later on that would turn out to be something that people had to do, particularly facing the tear gas of police, but also facing the coronavirus. But the Senate, including senators who largely helped spread the misinformation, doesn't really care. They think that too many Americans are staying home and not making the economy run just because they care about their little old lives more than they care about the jobs. And Republicans, if there's one thing they've made it clear, is that they don't have any family values. They don't want you to protect you and your family. They want you to get back to work. And if they have to starve you to make it happen, they will. After all, they're not the ones living paycheck to paycheck. Remember when Republicans used to have principles? I didn't share many of them, but I always agreed with them that dictatorship was wrong. I agree with Ronald Reagan that the evil empire was wrong that Russia was dangerous, and that we shouldn't support a country mistreating its own people. Certainly not one that was an enemy of the United States trying to kill American soldiers. But when Donald Trump was asked about Vladimir Putin putting a bounty, putting a price on the head, rewarding people for assassinating American soldiers, he just didn't think it was important enough to talk about with Vladimir Putin reported that the U.S. has intelligence indicating that Russia paid bounties or offered to pay bounties to Taliban fighters to kill American right. soldiers. Mm -hmm. You had a phone call with Vladimir Putin on July 23rd. Did you bring up this issue? No, that was a phone call to discuss other things. And you've never discussed it with him? I have never discussed it with him. Reg I would. I'd have no problem with it. But you don't believe but, you know, the intelligence. It it's because you don't believe the intelligence. That's why. Uh, it never reached my okay. desk. You know why? Because they didn't think it was intelligence. They didn't think it was real. It was they in your written brief. Uh, they didn't think it was worthy of it. I wouldn't mind. If it reached my desk, I would have done something about it. It never reached my desk because. Do you read your written brief? I do. do I you? read a lot. Really? You know, I read a lot. They like to say I don't read. I read a lot. Uh, your, your daily intelligence I comprehend extraordinarily well. Uh, probably better than anybody that you've interviewed in a long time. Yeah, he understands better than anyone that the guys interviewed. Yeah, okay. Um, he says it never reached his desk. It was in his written brief. So, you know, it's very simple. Um, it was in his brief. So he read it or he didn't. He says he read it, and we know it was in his written brief, and then he said it didn't reach his, de his desk. All those things can't be true, right? It cannot be true that it was in his brief, and he read it, 
and it didn't reach his desk. Let's just move on. I did more for the black community than anybody with the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln, whether you like it or not, people say, oh, that's You really, you, you believe you did more than Lyndon Johnson who passed the Civil I Rights Act? I think I did, yeah. How? Because I How got possibly did you just reform done. I got prison reform. Lyndon Johnson. I've done things. I've done, well. He passed the ask, Civil Rights ask, Act. How has it worked out? If you take a look at what Lyndon Johnson did. You think the Civil Rights Act was a mistake? How has it worked out? Because frankly, it, it took a long time. But for African-Americans, under my administration, Jonathan, <laughs> under my administration, African-Americans were doing better than they had ever done in the history of this country. How do you think? He so, so Donald Trump's complaint, I got this right, is that Lyndon Johnson didn't do much for blacks because even though under his presidency, the United States Congress passed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, the law that after 100 years of being denied the right to vote gave black Americans the right to actually catch their ballots, not in the law, but in reality. The Civil Rights Act, it actually said no more are you going to have segregated restaurants and hotels and movie theaters. No more do you have to sit in the back of the bus, Rosa Parks. But Donald Trump's done more. Why? Because Trump says, well, um, it hasn't gone far enough. He actually said that. Well, he's right. I, I hate to use those words in connection with Donald Trump. He's right that it hasn't gone far enough. But I think it was a big step forward <laughs> to let blacks finally vote after 100 years, to give them at least equal rights on paper with Americans. I'm the first to agree it hasn't gone far enough. That's why I marched in several Black Lives Matters protests. And you should, too. There's still way too much police violence towards black Americans, far more likely to be stopped by police, killed by police, frisked by police, far more likely to be stopped when they're not carrying a weapon, still less likely to get that job, to get that housing. There's plenty of systemic racism in American society. The reason why blacks are suffering today from the coronavirus more than whites is simply they don't have the income because poor suffer more than the rich. And black people never had the opportunities white people had to get income. You know the Homestead Act of 100 years ago that gave free land throughout the Midwest to all those people? Yeah, they were all white people. And I don't remember too many Republicans or Democrats complaining about a handout when it came to white people. I don't even recall anyone complaining about a handout when it comes to subsidies to American farmers who, let's face it, need the subsidies because of Donald Trump's war with China and his putting in tariffs that basically harm Americans and not Chinese. But I digress. Yes, it is true. We have a lot of work to do. And the person who is doing the most work, well, a hero like someone I had the pleasure of knowing briefly, John Lewis. Donald Trump is asked how history will remember the great man who walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge that I think will soon be renamed the John Lewis Bridge, who took beatings and dogs and water cannons by police, came through, became a United States congressman, constantly worked on civil rights, on voting rights, and happens to be, and I met him personally, one of the most humble men I've ever met. And it's rare to say that of a great man like John Lewis. 
Trump is asked how history will remember John Lewis. History will remember John Lewis. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know John Lewis. Uh, he chose not to come to my uh, uh, inauguration. Uh, he chose. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I never met John Lewis. Actually, I don't believe. Do you find him impressive? Uh, uh, never really answers that question. Leave it to the president of the United States to think the most salient fact about John Lewis's moment in history is the fact that he didn't attend Donald Trump's inauguration. Folks, this should end soon. There's a God in heaven. I don't mean to be religious here. Look, it has to end soon. In three months, the United States of America will go to the polls and they, frankly, most of us will probably vote from home by mail and I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to talk a lot about the election as it gets closer and how, frankly, Donald Trump can mess it up. How Republicans can try to defund, not the police, but the Postal Service, can try to prevent people from mailing in their ballots, can try to make it as hard as possible for people to register and vote. But I think we will. I think we've risked our lives to vote for over hundreds of years. And I think we'll finally vote this monster out of office. But when we do, if we do, and I don't mean to take anything for granted, it's vitally important that we get rid of all those Republicans in the Senate and the House and in local government, state legislatures all across the country who don't believe that America's government can care for its citizens. The ones who look at hundreds of thousands of dead and say, it is what it is. Don't elect politicians who don't care about you. That should be a first step for you this election day. Make sure you go and vote. This is Mark Levine signing off.